Welcome to I'm Uncomfortable. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Melissa. And we've been friends since everybody's favorite time of life, puberty. Like most people who thought cutting their own bangs was a good idea, we're professionals in feeling that itchy, cringy, out-of-place awkwardness. Join us as we unapologetically explore the topics that make us cringe and how to be okay with it. Now let's get uncomfortable. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of I'm Uncomfortable. So as per tradition, we're going to start off with what's made us uncomfortable this week. I'll kick it to you, Vanessa, to give us your story. (laughs) So what's made you uncomfortable this past week? Uh, Thank you, Melissa, for so graciously passing that over to me. You go Um, first. (laughs) (laughs) I think what I'm going to share is something that all of us experience, but none of us talk about. And it's that moment where you're just unexpectedly maybe lying in your bed or sitting still, and all of a sudden, someone you hadn't thought about in a while just randomly pops into your head and you don't necessarily want to be thinking about them you don't care about it anymore but there it is and this always happens to me in that moment right before like I'm trying to go to bed and that's the time where you're pretending to be asleep so that you can fall asleep and (laughs) my brain is like nope not for you here you go Let's play this memory. Let's make you think about this person. I know this yep. has happened to you. Yes. This has uh, happened to you. <laughs> yes. Um, I can think of, you know, similar situation for me that actually happened recently as well. There's a lot of places in your house where you're you're feeling vulnerable, but there is only one place in your home where you feel probably the mo- you are the most vulnerable, and that is when you're using the toilet. <laughs> and actually the other day... <laughs> As I was doing my business, minding my business, my random thoughts popped into my brain and, you know, people that I didn't intend to think about just happened to peruse their way through my thought process. And I just thought that story was funny. That happened to you while you're going. That always happens to you while you're about to go to sleep. Well, why does it happen for you in the bathroom? But that's not even my uncomfortable situation for the week. Okay, take it away while I die laughing. Thank you for uh, giving me a a twofer this time. You're welcome. So for me, other than the fact that I just revealed that, um, I actually went outside this past weekend. What? Yeah, I know. I know. Um, And by outside, I mean, I went to a grocery store or a Japanese grocery store um, near my neighborhood. And I've gone there a couple of times, but they have a section in the grocery store that's a food court. So they usually have um, different vendors there that are always there that are selling like ramen and yakisoba and all these different Japanese yummy goodies that I haven't had in a long time, including sushi. And um, me and my brother had been running errands all morning and... We were starving. So when we got there, we're like, okay, we saw that the food court was open. We're like, cool, they're open for takeout. And so we went over where we had intentions of doing takeout. And then we saw people sitting down. And then we noticed that there were very, they were very far apart from each other. There was barely anybody there. They had ample space between everybody. The tables, every, not even other table, but every 
three tables were taped off from each other. And then they had like a patio area, which was even more open. So we like looked at each other and we're like, "Uh, COVID (laughs) is still a thing. People forget. And then Mm -hmm. we're like, okay, well, the compromise was let's go out into the patio where literally nobody is at. We sanitized everything, including ourselves, sat down. And we ate. Oh, my gosh. And that's so what? weird to say <laughs> that that made me uncomfortable, but it did because I was like, uh, there's people approaching. Are they going to sit here? They can't because everything's taped off. But like being hyper aware of the fact yeah. that I was eating at not even a restaurant, but in an outdoor patio space was weird for me. It felt familiar. <laughs> but also uncomfortable. Like a distant memory that you like once a, knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really odd, but we did it and I felt guilty about it. And I was like, should I be feeling guilty about it? About it? But we were really safe. We kept our masks on when we were walking around. The only time we took our masks off was when we were going to eat, obviously, but kept our distance. Well, good for you. I'm glad you got to do that. But I understand that it's uncomfortable. I've, I've had that same thought. I still haven't done it. Too scary. Yeah, it's, it is scary. But speaking of scary, <laughs> <laughs> today we're going to be talking about, as you probably have seen through the title of this episode, we're going to be talking about the costs of higher education. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Riveting topic, I know. But... All jokes aside, you know, it's it's a very real and relatable topic, so we thought we'd just share some of our experiences in terms of navigating this type of financial topic, which already is like a voodoo topic to cover. So while we were discussing this topic ahead of time, there were two aspects that I noticed that both irked us about the higher education cost process, and one of them being the fact that costs for going to a college or a university are freaking high and it only continues to rise. So sorry, incoming college students. But yes, so then this led us to discuss our experiences with student loans, which we will get into um, in just a little bit. Um, But the second aspect that made us uncomfortable was the fact that when we were applying for student loans and financial aid and grants and things like that, we didn't really know much about the process until we had to do it. And all of it was just a confusing thing to navigate. Yeah. I mean, when you, okay, so when you Google this question, I love Googling very clearly. Um, the first result that comes up is from a Business Insider article published on June 26, 2019. And it said college is expensive for many reasons, including a surge in demand, which is, I think, great an increase in financial aid, a lack of state funding, a need for more faculty members and money to pay them, and ballooning student services. The cost of college has made a degree less advantageous than it was 10 years ago, one expert said. Which definitely, I know people have been wondering, is college worth it? And in my own experience, trying to learn more about personal finance, a lot of people are that I've learned from talk about how 
they didn't go to college and they found they found that for themselves it wasn't necessary or some people say like yeah i loved it but the cost is too high mm-hmm. i mean the general consensus is that it just costs too much so i want to know from your experience because missy melissa oops <laughs> melissa and i went to two different <laughs> schools <laughs> it's okay i called you nessie last time i'm missy she's nessie I'm Melissa. She's Vanessa. These are our childhood <laughs> nicknames for each other, and sometimes that's going to happen. <laughs> I've written deep. Anyway, <laughs> so <clears throat> Melissa, <laughs> I want to know what your experience was with college and trying to get student loans. I'm wondering if we have a similar experience or not. Yeah, I mean, just from our initial conversations, I know that we tried not to delve too into it so that we could save it for the podcast, but um, (laughs) I'm sure we have similar experiences. And for me, while I don't have great memory, um, what I do remember of that time and of that process, I just found it so confusing. Like, I can't tell you what a FAFSA form looks like anymore. That was such a long time ago, which makes me, we're old. But um, (laughs) I remember filling out those forms and not really knowing how to do that. And that sounds so odd to say because you would think that a form would be straightforward, but I had no context as to the importance of what I was putting in there. Oh, yeah. I remember, I think, having my parents sitting with me, filling it out and figuring out alongside me. And granted, (sighs) I did. I did have an older brother. I do have an older brother and he <laughs> did apply for um, federal student aid. But I was a sophomore in high school at the time. I was like, look, I don't want to talk about, it. I don't want to like learn this stuff. I'm- it's such a confusing, it's not, I mean, give yourself some credit. The FAFSA is not an easy form. It is the lengthiest document possible with so many questions. And if you don't know and your parents don't know, you are SOL. Like that. That's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think a lot of the confusion for me is that I consider myself a first generation college student. I mean, both my parents went to community college, but was were never able to finish, partly due to the fact that they had the children. Um, but, you know, I had to go through that process of pursuing higher education, not on my own, but kind of learning alongside my parents. So it wasn't anything that was taught to me ahead of time. To this day, I am kind of embarrassed to say that I don't know much about my student loans other than my login information, the fact that I set up my automatic payments, and then setting that automatic payment to way over what they're asking for the minimum so I can slash that down. But that's that's pretty much all I know is that I let it take my money (laughs) every month. I mean, but if you didn't let it take your money, you can't go to school. I mean, I, so it sounds like we had really similar experiences, except for the fact that my mom was like, well, you just fill it out. And I was like, WTF, what do you mean I just fill it out, mom? And I, so I'm sitting there asking her for like her social security number and mm-hmm. all this different tax stuff. And she's like, um, I don't know. And I was like, what do you mean you don't know? If you don't know. How am I supposed to know? And yeah. so she had to like check multiple like different documents. Like it, it was just a mess. It was a nightmare. I remember it being so frustrating. And we were we were eighteen, right? right? Yeah, like barely. And yeah, seventeen, eighteen. Trying to figure that out for your parents. But here's the thing, I I feel like to me this is just such an infuriating cycle because especially if you are black, indigenous, 
person of color, especially I think first generation too, you are the one who has to sort of pave the way. Yeah, like uh, you and figure it out on your own. And if your parents don't know what this form is, if they've never seen it, if they don't understand it, if they can't read it, then you have to figure it out. And then that just, that sucks. So let's say you get through that. So you graduate high school, you go to college, you figure out your loan situation, you know, you have to take out loans, but you graduate and you find a job. But then you're stuck in the same hole of trying to pay for that education. And then if you want to further your education and get a master's degree, then if you don't have enough money to pay for your master's and you're still paying off your undergrad, the whole cycle begins again Mm -hmm. and you have to take out loans again. And it's, it's insane. And part of the reason, honestly, that I joined Teach for America was because they offered a grant. So part of the, the, the incentive to get you to join the program was, hey, mm-hmm. if you finish your two years, then you're going to get this money that you can use towards repaying for your student loans. And to me, that was a huge deal. So I mm-hmm. knocked like $10,000, I think, off of my student loans, which was a lifesaver. And right. because I work in a low-income school, I'm currently in the process of trying to get a small chunk of it forgiven, mm-hmm. which I also don't really understand the process for that, but I'm trying. So yeah. it's it's just uh, it's a circle. I think both of us touched on the fact that we don't really know about the best practices for, for personal finance, finance. For, personal finance for, for paying for school yeah that and that's a whole other issue so I mean did you know anything from high school that would have helped you with this information yeah I I mean and when I say yeah I mean no <laughs> <laughs> yeah no <laughs> I don't know if I was just a ditzy non-aware of my surroundings high school student but I was not aware of any of those types of resources being available to me. I mean, we had counselors that their job was to help us with those college applications and kind of guiding us to our best resources. But from what I remember, I don't really remember benefiting from those counselors other than them suggesting me which colleges to apply to based on my grades and things like that. I Other than that, I didn't really get any other resources in regards to financing and how to pay for college through my high school education. It just wasn't a thing. Maybe again, I blocked out that memory from <laughs> Traumatic my... Traumatic experience. Uh, yeah, that experience <laughs> from my memory, but I don't, from what I remember, <sighs> yeah, there was no resource that Ooh. I could tap for that. I suppose I mean, the internet was there. I could have Googled, but what high school sophomore I suppose was googling that at that time maybe really smart ones <laughs> I wasn't one of them maybe people who had their ish together were googling yeah, I did how not. to afford college how to pay for college I was just living <laughs> yeah I I know this is something that I that we might have talked about offline but I remember getting my financial aid package from UC Merced and basically it was hey, here's a bunch of loans you can take out. And the tricky part about this is there's so many terms to understand. Jargon. So much. Like the difference between subsidized and unsubsidized loans. At 18, I didn't learn about that until like maybe junior year of college. (laughs) But okay, but here's, here's the really terrible thing. If you get 
a subsidized loan and you don't get the unsubsidized loan, then you have to pay for whatever the loan doesn't cover. Right? So you can't, you, you could cherry pick it. And once I finally got my life together a little bit towards junior year, <laughs> senior year, I did figure out that we could deny certain loans, not use that money. I didn't, I wouldn't get a refund check, but it's okay because I had a job. Long story short, I ended up rejecting the, I think, uns, oh my God, I have to look it up just to make sure. I, um, I rejected the unsubsidized loans and I just worked to cover the rest. But if you can't get a job or your parents can't pay for it, then you have yeah. no choice but to accept all of the loans, no matter which type yeah, they are. The next step in your success story, your quote unquote success story, <laughs> the American dream, <laughs> yeah, the quote unquote American dream, especially for first generation college student Melissa, was college, and you, it's not an option. You go to college, right? And that includes all of the loans that you have to take out in order mm-hmm. to successfully complete four years of education to get <sighs> that diploma. It's it's a lot. Like it's I, it's just so sucky. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I I feel like though I should say, I should give the definition. So the reason why I wanted a subsidized loan is because while you're in school, the interest is deferred. You don't have to pay it. But an unsubsidized loan means the interest is not deferred. So the interest starts as soon as you take that loan out. And so that's why I rejected the unsubsidized loans. I feel like I need to educate a little bit to put that definition into Yeah, we we were talking about jargon here, and Mm -hmm. we we need to make sure that we're helping to to demystify this process, at least a little bit from what we know. (laughs) Well, you were saying you didn't have any personal finance type of course in high school, right? No. Me neither. But you were telling me offline that there was a thing. Oh, you're right. That's a thing that exists. So I, and I remember there was one personal finance course or some, some type of real world, world finance, math, whatever course offered at my high school. But it was only one course that you could take either as a junior or a senior and taking that class meant I couldn't take something else. And so in my mind, it made more sense. Like I got to take one of my honors or AP classes mm-hmm. versus this random math class that I don't know if it's worth it or not, if it'll teach me anything. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't even take the class, even though I thought it might've been a good idea. I couldn't even take the class. And I wrote about this recently in one of my blog posts about why financial education for, is it BIPOC? B-I-P-O-C? I don't know how to I pronounce it. I say B-I-P-O-C. B-I-P-O-C? Also, okay. shout out, help me, I'm poor.blog. <laughs> Vanessa's a blogger. Uh, She's awesome. <laughs> Personal finance journey. I was like, why is it necessary for fighting racism? And one of my um, research tangents made me discover, so there was a Council for Economic Education 2020. I said it again. 2020. 2020. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> Survey of the states. But they found out that essentially in, in low-income areas, so areas where 75% or more of kids qualify for free and reduced lunch, only 3.9% of those kids were required to take one semester of personal finance. But (sighs) in more affluent schools, and typically we think of these areas as places with more white children. Predominantly white. Students in those more affluent areas were three 
nearly three times as likely to be required to take a one-semester personal finance course. So if you and your parents don't know about personal finance and your school doesn't require you to take a personal finance course, then like you're just living in oblivion and trying to figure it out as you go without any resources to actually help you, which is honestly frustrating. It puts it puts people at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole different topic we can delve into. It, without these resources, these personal finance resources readily available and in, in abundance in these, you know, quote unquote, lower income communities and schools, how are any of these kids going to break out of that cycle? It's they're not <laughs> frustrating. I, I, I think it's like only 21 states is the number are, that are required to make kids take any type of personal finance course before college. Well, obviously, California is not one of those states because <laughs> your girl went to school in California. <laughs> I don't know. If Calif- I have to do some digging. I didn't research before this. I don't know if California is like required to offer like you could they could offer it, but you don't have to take it. I don't know. Unsure. But I mean, we also <sighs> went to private Catholic high schools so there could be a different filter through there as well but you at least had some sort of course available i remember there being an option (laughs) again see i don't know if my memory just is not benefiting me right now because i really don't remember any of that i think i only remember because i had to make a choice and (laughs) it was one of those it's a non-choice actually because it's not actually an option It's just something I entertained. Anyway, uh, so something we always try to to talk about um, in our episodes is the idea of how can we be quote unquote okay with it. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if this is something we can be okay with. It actually might be a better idea if we're not okay with it because that would push us to act. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a big part of this is just knowing how your money works and, if you are in your early 20s, mid, late 20s, 30s, I don't care. I think if you don't know how your money works, you need to start learning about it, especially if you're a person of color. Because, and Melissa, you said this earlier, if we don't learn about it, then the cycle just keeps going on. We perpetuate the cycle of financial oppression that's being being passed on from generation, generation. to generation. Mm-hmm. We need to talk to each other about these things. Just yeah. the other day, I was sitting down. Ugh, never mind. Sorry, COVID. I wasn't sitting down with <laughs> her. <laughs> I was FaceTiming one of her friends. And shout out to her because she's going to get her PhD mm-hmm. as, at USC. Super proud of her. But she was struggling with the fact that she needed to take out loans to pay for it. And how was she going to afford it? It's like $80,000. Honestly, yeah. That's what's deterred me from pursuing higher, higher education is what I call it. Because I do have a desire to go back to school, but cost does not attract Mm -hmm. me. You know, I don't, I do not have any desire to dig my hole deeper my debt hole <laughs> deeper yeah. than it already is. I'm almost out of the one that I'm I'm currently mm-hmm. in. So I just didn't, you know. Anyways, but kudos to her for wanting to pursue a PhD. Yes, definitely kudos to her. But it's such a struggle and I feel so bad. And, you know, she was like, I, I want to talk to somebody who has some knowledge on student loans. And mm-hmm. I told her... <laughs> You know, I'll I'll try. I'm by no means an expert in student loans whatsoever. I've taken them out, though, and I've done some research. So mm-hmm. it was a good discussion. I just think, what if we were able to have these discussions sooner? 
Because I've also yeah. been really turned off by the idea of paying money for a degree that will it benefit me? Because I've gotten to where I am right now without a master's. Right. And so I, I have to wonder, would it help? And if so, how? And would it be worth the cost? Because how long would I have to work to be able to pay off the amount of money it took me to earn the master's in the first place? Like, would it match up? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm, I have this crazy smile on my face right now because it's just <laughs> insanity that we are considering the fact that our bachelor's degrees may be like a limiting factor. You know, because right. just maybe a generation or two ago, that was the ticket. That's the ticket to get onto the train of higher income, which is true. Still reigns true. However, yeah. the costs of college and university, some people are having that conversation. Is college even worth it at this mm-hmm. point? You know, mm-hmm. in terms of the money payoff that you're going to get with having that paper in hand, yeah. people are going back to school in order to up that margin in regards to a potential salary that they're going to get. But is it worth it to take out those loans in order to get that extra piece of paper? Like, it's crazy. So if you were also in the cycle of wondering if it's worth it, don't worry, you're not alone. Melissa and I are definitely in that with you. Yeah. Struggling (laughs) to figure out if it's it's worth all the hassle of paying for it. Yeah. And it's just so frustrating to think. Because you're right, just just a generation or two. Last generation, I don't, my mom has been pushing me. She pushed me, she's like, your bachelor's is everything, you need to go to college, mm-hmm. and then when you graduate, you'll have all these job opportunities. And now, she's been pushing me to go back and get my MBA. And oh wow, I keep telling her, like, I don't know if it's worth the cost. And she keeps arguing, and she has a point, I will give her that. She keeps telling me, you know, while you're young and while you don't have kids and you're not married, you don't have as many obstacles to get in the way of your education, you should do it now. Mm-hmm. It just, it really hurts because I don't know if she really understands how much it's going to cost. Yeah, and I should probably note too, I work in an agency that has a reimbursement program for any full-time employee that it has an interest in pursuing an MBA or any higher, higher degree that is related to your um, field of work, right? That's so cool. I, yes. And I've never taken that opportunity up because I, I didn't at the time feel like there was a necessity, especially in my field of study. Like, I don't feel like it's necessary for me in mm. a public relations field to need an MBA to excel in my field. I feel like experience is more valued than, than another degree. But I was, I was thinking about it recently. And when I had my four, my four year anniversary, uh, at the agency, I was like, man, I could have had a full other degree by now. (laughs) But the catch for that is the fact there's a catch. Yeah, because they're not going to let you just leave the agency after they had just paid for your school. I guess that makes sense. They're like, yeah, so here's a free degree. <laughs> um, so the, the catch there is that you're required to stay another two years at the agency minimum. Oh, I see. So let's say your, your program was like two years, ideally, yeah. four years, you know, typical. And then on top of that, once you finish your degree, 
while being a full-time employee, you then have to stay with the agency for another two years. And I never saw myself staying with the agency for that long. For as long as you have. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Since, see, this is what I keep going back to is just talking these things out with the people around you because you Mm -hmm. never know. Someone could have had a similar experience or, you know, know their way around the system. So having those conversations is important. Yes. I think we should talk about lessons that we've learned. Um, I don't, you know, this is an interesting topic because both of us, like Vanessa mentioned, are struggling through <laughs> this this process um, currently with our with paying off our current student loans and and considering even higher higher education as right. an option. But I I want to know, Vanessa, is there a little nugget of information that you can share? I know that we we said knowing how your money works can definitely help in having these conversations. But is there anything specifically about the loan process um, that you have learned that is worth sharing? I I think it's not so much about the loan process as it is about how willing you are to look stupid. Yeah. Right. So. (laughs) I, that, I, I don't know. Maybe, I don't think it's just me. I don't think it's just you. I definitely think pride is something we all have. But when it comes to your money, don't be afraid to look like a fool. Ask the questions. If you need to take out a private loan, call them and ask them, what mm-hmm. is this term? What does that mean? What? How does that apply to you? Can they give you an example with your situation? You'd be surprised. I, I've tried this in, in different aspects and people are generally very willing to tell you exactly what number you need or what you need to do to make your situation better. It just doesn't hurt to ask. And you never know too, your friends yeah. might have also have gone through a similar experience And if not, there's always the internet. Google the hell out of all of the things that you're looking at. Yeah. When we were 18, obviously, that wasn't my first thought. There were so many competing priorities. But now that I'm older, if I could go back in time, I would tell my younger self to research what those things mean, like unsubsidized versus subsidized. Why did it take me till senior year to figure out that I, I could deny the unsubsidized loans. So just research is very important. Not being afraid to look dumb and talking to people are the main things that I've learned. Yeah, that's that's a great... You know, I honestly did not get over that part of myself of like being okay looking dumb until after college. <laughs> it's hard. I think it, starting in my career... I don't know if this is just a, being a woman thing or being a woman of color thing. You're constantly having to prove yourself and how smart you are and how much oh, yeah. you know, more so than the average person would typically n- need to, in quotes. So I came in with that mentality of like, oh, I don't want to look stupid and mm-hmm. admit that I don't know anything about this whole financial aid process. So, you know, I think that's a really great point. Not being a f- afraid to ask those questions I wish I would have asked those questions sooner because I just kind of like accepted things as as they were and was like all right well this is my real reality and this is how it's gonna I be I guess this is me now <laughs> yeah and I think what I will say in terms of a, a lesson is really yeah asking questions is part of it but being willing to do the work to to understand doing those googling sessions highlighting the different parts maybe of yeah. the of the forms that you don't understand and and researching that a bit and i there's a lot of um 
resources nowadays, but like I, I didn't really know of back in the day, but there's just, I don't know, it, it'll help people in the long run to be able to get to those uh, questions and get those well, answered sooner. I think um, you, you have a fun resource to share with our listeners that you were sharing with me earlier. Yeah. I'd like to end with you sharing that fun resource because I can't wait to actually watch it. So. Yeah. Um, it was interesting that this was going to be the episode we are, you know, the topic that we were talking about in this episode, um, because one of the more recent um, episodes of the show called Patriot Act, hosted by Hassan Minaj, he's a comedian. He was a former correspondent on The Daily Show and now has his own show called Patriot Act, and he covers um, current events and uh issues that we don't typically hear too much in the media and delves into it. So they do like a lot of research. So every episode that he does, um, him and his team does, is well-researched. And they add in the comedy aspect to it. It's so fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I Yeah, it's such a great show. <laughs> and so one of his most recent episodes was called Is College Still Worth It? So I, it's it's a 21-minute episode he has all of these episodes available on youtube for free so that you don't need netflix to be able to watch it and he did that on purpose because he wants to have this information not have a paywall for people to have this Mm. information readily available and he's Mm -hmm. done it in such a genius way that it's packaged for the millennial or the gen (laughs) zer that does not have the attention span to be able to be leaf through books and what's a what's even a library and all these pages on google you know you can just watch a youtube video and pretend like you are just watching some cats playing the piano but you're actually learning something so i recommend what is it called is college worth it yes is college worth it patriot act hosted by Hassan Minaj. All right. Well, you heard it here. Definitely check out that resource. Thanks to Melissa. I feel like you're the resource queen. You're always coming <laughs> through with videos or articles to share. I you're the Google queen. It. You always tell us what Google says. <laughs> oh, I love Google. <laughs> well, that's all we have for today. Thank you for joining us, everybody. And if you can relate, let us know on our Instagram page. Yes. And we'll talk to all of you soon. Bye.